You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, over to Isaiah chapter 60. It's going to take me a couple minutes to uh, get that far, but Isaiah chapter 60 is where we're headed. So I told you, uh, I guess it would be three weeks ago now, right? Because Annie taught for the last two. Um, I told you that I was finishing up this series that day on salt, light, and leaven. Well, that, that was a lie, apparently. <clears throat> so uh, there's something that the Lord's been putting on my heart for the last few weeks and um, just kind of dawned on me this week that it fits real well with this series. So I'm just tagging it into this series. If I had been thinking, and I wasn't, I would have called this, I would have made this a standalone message and called it the glow-in-the-dark church, okay? Did you realize that you are designed to glow in the dark, okay? If you didn't know that already, you'll know that before we leave today. But um, so here's what I want to talk to you about. A lot of people have developed uh, through teaching that they've received, uh, they've developed an end times theology, which uh, Bible scholars call eschatology. It's what we believe about the, the end times. How are the end times going to work? Okay, and I'll give you my end times theology. Jesus said, be doing what I left you there to do until I come back. That's it. That's all I've got. So, you know, that's if you want more than that, you'll have to get it elsewhere. Uh, but they've developed an end time theology that goes... Something like this. They, they believe that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until the, the church is sort of left kind of hanging out in a corner waiting for the rescue of, for Jesus to come and rescue us. That, that the things in the world are going to get so bad and so oppressive and so terrible and, and we're just going to have to endure. And then, and then one day Jesus is going to ride in on a white horse, which he is going to do at some point, and rescue us out of that situation. And in the meantime, the church is just going to kind of fade and hang on. And I'm just here to say that is not the picture that the scripture gives us of the end times church. Jesus called it, and hopefully we'll get this far today and, and look at the verses. Jesus talked about him creating a church, a bride for himself that is full of splendor and displays the glory of God. So we're going we're gonna to look at this. And let me just give you a little bit of information uh, about this. Um, you know, again, people believe that and maybe this isn't you, but there are a lot of Christians that see the end times this way, that the church is going to be all but extinguished on the earth, you know, through, through persecution, through pressure. And certainly there is persecution. There will be pressure. There will be darkness in the earth. We're going to read that in Isaiah chapter 60. The earth, things are going to grow dark in the world, uh, but that's not what's supposed to be happening in the church. Okay, the church is designed to glow in the dark. The church is designed to get brighter as the world gets darker. So I, I want us to have that view. Uh, I believe that a lot of this viewpoint comes from the um, widespread abandoning of the truth about the power of the Holy Spirit as he works in our lives, 
the authority of the believer, the authority in the name of Jesus. It's like we've reduced our commission, uh, the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. We've reduced that to nothing more than getting people introduced to Jesus, getting people saved, which is obviously really important, right? I mean, we do care about people's eternity. We need people to make the decision. We need, we need them to meet Jesus and know who he is, okay? But we've reduced it to that when Jesus said, you guys are going to do the works that I've been doing and greater works than these. He, he didn't teach about a church that would just uh, exist in a corner until he came to, to rescue them. It's not the picture that he left. Our assignment is much bigger than that. Our assignment in this age is to, to make earth like heaven. He, he said to pray that his will be done on earth like it is in heaven. That's a real prayer. That's not... If, if you grew up like I did, I was taught to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer, but... It, but we were, I was taught to pray. I could pray that prayer so fast. I mean, I could pray because you had to do it before you went to bed, you know, and I wanted to go to sleep. So I could whip through that one and a couple of other ones and didn't mean a thing. Well, that's a real prayer. That's something Jesus told us to believe for, that, that through his activity in the church, on the earth, in our day, that it become, that people's lives, it become, we pull from what's in heaven and we release it on earth. So he didn't give us this picture of a church just hiding in the corner in the end days until he comes and at the last second rescues us before the big devil uh, tears us apart. That view magnifies the devil. It magnifies his ability. It magnifies, and the devil's real. We believe in the devil. We believe in demons. We be, but see, we're... We're assigned to cast them out. We're assigned to destroy their works. We're assigned <clears throat> to do what Jesus did, which was undo, untie the works of Satan. That's what we're designed to do. That's what we are assigned to do. That's what he has empowered us to do. And this view that, that the devil's so big and the world's so big that the church is just going to be pushed into a corner until Jesus comes to the rescue. It just magnifies the, the devil and it leaves believers with very little sense of hope for this age. We have hope for heaven. We have hope maybe even for the millennium, but we have, we have very little hope for this age. We just, it's like we're just, Boyd just talked about the, that idea of the difference between maintaining and pushing forward, okay? We have not been left here just to maintain. All right. Um, I think this, that view minimizes the everyday impact of our salvation on our, on our own lives and on the world around us. We should be expecting much more than just to be cowed into a corner uh, by the world system. That view pushes many of, Many of the, I'm trying to think of a different word than blessings. It's a good word. It's just we misunderstand it a lot. But many of the things that Jesus died on the cross and provided for us that are ours in him. Healing, freedom, deliverance, uh, um, relationships at work, um, success in life in the sense that we're, you know, we're doing what God gave us to do by the grace of God. We're producing in life, fruitful living. I mean, we could go through a whole list, but it pushes many of those things 
into, I, I like the way Bill Johnson says it this way. He says, we, we like to push those things off into a time that we have no responsibility for. We don't have responsibility over the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he will rule after he comes back for a thousand years on the earth. We don't have responsibility, at least not that we know of, that we've been given there. We do have responsibility in this age to be producing the fruit of his life, to be producing what he left us here to produce. And, and so instead, that theology just lets us, well, things are just going to get darker and darker and darker. We're just going to hang on. Well, then that takes all of our responsibility for this age away, and it pushes it off into after Jesus comes. After Jesus comes, it'll be really good. See, there's a, there's a principle. I don't really have time to talk about it this morning, but there is a principle throughout Scripture where under what, whatever uh, covenant you're under or or whatever dispensation, you know, whatever age that we're in with God's interaction with man, there's all, we always see people able to, through faith in the Lord and through walking with him, pull things from the next dispensation into their dispensation. People in the Old Testament, now Jesus has come and he has actually carried sickness and disease to the cross. And we're able to trust him and, and, and pull on what he has provided and release it, receive it and release it in the earth. And that's, a, that's just an everyday Christianity 101. It's not a, it's, it's, you know, healing is available to us. Uh, that kind of life is available to us. All these things, freedom from sin is available to us. Well, under the old covenant, they could pull on that, but it wasn't in the same degree uh, that we have in the new covenant. I hope that wasn't confusing, but it's all the time I have for that. So the idea is we're pushing everything off. We're saying, oh, in the millennium, it'll be like that. Oh, in heaven, it'll be like that. Oh, uh, you know, when, the, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, well, well then there'll be joy. There'll be peace. There'll be life. There'll be, uh, we won't have to be afraid anymore. There won't be all the pain. There won't be all the suffering. And that's true, but we get to pull on it now because Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, and provided it for us. It is in him. Every, it, it says that we are included in every spiritual blessing that is laid up for us in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, so that kind of thinking, that kind of end times thinking, pushes all this stuff off and... and and we don't have to worry about it yet. It's coming later. So it, it reduces, it takes away our hope for this age. It takes away our hope for our household, for this day, for what Jesus has done for us in this age. And we do have responsibility for this age. So the church is described in the New Testament as being glorious, as being powerful, as being a beautiful bride for him, as being holy, as being without spot and wrinkle. That's what he's doing. That's what he's working. And that needs to be our mentality so that as we go about our daily lives, we realize we have an assignment. We are on assignment. We aren't just hanging out waiting. Is this making sense to you? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. All right, the gates, the, the, the strong point. They always in a city, it had gates, right? It had a big wall, but it had gates. Well, that's actually the weak point in the, in the protection of a city, so they fortified it. So the point here is the, the most fortified 
uh, place where, where, where Satan would put all of his power, where, where hell would put all of its forces and power, the church will overcome that. The Amplified Bible there says, um, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not overcome it. They will not be strong to its detriment. The gates of hell, the power of hell, will not be strong to the church's detriment or hold out against it. Hold out against it. So that's not a picture of the, the poor little church in the corner being humble, you know, and, and saying, praise Jesus, someday things will change in the corner while all the enemy forces are. It's not that picture. It says the gates of hell will not hold out against the assault of the church. Are you getting this? All right. So we need to, we need to have a different picture of the end time. So let's go over. You should, hopefully you're there. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to start in verse 1. And it says, and I love, boy, hit this word arise several times. I was just grinning because we're going to work on that word today, what it means to arise. But Isaiah chapter 60, let me, let me say this. Um, these verses, this is obviously a prophecy. It's in Isaiah. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy over Zion. All right, we're going to see one place in the Amplified Bible where in brackets, yeah, just a quick lesson here. So if you read the Amplified Bible, if you read the front, it'll tell you this. Uh, the way that they put that together, um, if, so, if a phrase is put in parentheses in the Amplified Bible, that means it's something that the translators took right out of the original language. It is said in the original language, and they just bring out all these shades of meaning of different words. It's right in the language, okay? If they put it in brackets, okay, that means it was just added at their discretion, it's, it's not out of the original language. It's their opinion of something, okay? Most Bible scholars believe this, uh, and, and most of your Bibles will actually say this if there's a heading on the chapter, this is a prophecy to Zion, all right? Zion is the Old Testament. It's, a, it's the city of David, and it is always a type or a shadow of the New Testament church, okay? So while we can draw from any prophecy, really, and, and apply it because uh, Jesus is the word of God and he said them all. It will have an application in our time. These verses in particular, they apply to the church. They applied to the people at that time, but they apply to the church. Does that make sense to you? So here in verse 1, Isaiah chapter 60, and I am reading to you from, I think this is the uh, new amplified, uh, not the classic amplified the real Amplified. Anyway, um, so it says, arise from spiritual depression to a new life. All right, arise. And we're going to talk about that word in just a minute. Speaking to us, arise from spiritual depression. I was, I was th just that phrase has kept hitting me, spiritual depression. Let's, let's, let me read the rest of this and then I'll start expounding. Arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory and brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. Okay, and we'll just stop there for a minute. So arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Spiritual depression. I mean, it is, it, if we're born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Our spirit man 
Honestly, I mean, in reality, our spirit has been made brand new. It's been joined to the Lord. Our spirit can't be depressed. It can't. It's impossible. However, our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will can be depressed about spiritual things when we're misunderstanding them and when our focus is in the wrong place. And I think that's what they're addressing here is that arise from spiritual depression. Have you ever gotten, I have, spent too much time looking at what's going on in the world, looking at increasing darkness, looking at those kinds of things. Have you ever spent that time and you get bummed out about it? You get hopeless about it. But that never happens if we're keeping our focus on God and what he's doing. It just doesn't. But it will happen if we are being pushed down, letting ourselves be held down by circumstances. And so there, there he's, he's saying, arise from this position of spiritual depression to a new life. If you're born again, it's, the scripture says we have, right now, we have the same new life that Jesus Christ has. That resurrection life is ours. We're living in it right now. Well, it doesn't seem like it some days. I know, but it's in here, okay? And it needs to get let out probably more. But he says, arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord. Radiant. We are to radiate the glory and brilliance of the Lord. And that's absolutely possible. We just spent weeks talking about salt, light, and leaven. We talked quite a bit about light. The New Testament has a tremendous amount to say to us about being the light of the world, not just hoping there will be some light, being a source of light uh, for the world. And it, says, and it says, because, for, because your light has come, and the glory and the brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. So as, as we have come into this relationship with God, he has broadcast, he has shown light upon us and in us. And once again, this is a, uh, an encouragement, a command, a prophecy to rise up in that and become a source, a, a radiant church, a radiant light. To think about, because the New Testament uses that phraseology about the church. She will be radiant. God sees you today as a radiant bride. Have you ever seen a radiant bride? That's one of the cool things about weddings. It's one of the cool things. One of the things I like to get to be up here. I guess everybody turns and looks, you know. I mean, we're all supposed to when the bride comes in. But what a cool thing that is. They always look spectacular. And it's not just on the outside. It's not just the dress. It's not just the hair. It's not just, you know, there's a lot of time put into that. But they're generally, they're glowing from the inside, you know. That's who the church is. That's how Jesus sees the church. It's how he sees you and I. On our worst day, I don't get this either, but just receive it. On our worst day, that's how he sees us. That's how he describes us. And that is the work he's doing in us. All right? That's the work he's doing in us. So this term arise tells us to arise. Uh, it means to stand up. It means don't let spiritual discouragement and depression hold you down. All right? Don't let the condition of the world depress you and rob you of hope. All right? 
But here's, here's literally what this term means. It means, it does mean to stand up. It means to rise up out of depression and all of that. It means to recognize value and validity and therefore stand tall. Well, what value and validity? Well, certainly the Lord's, but also who he is in us and who we are in him. Recognize your value, not in yourself, but as a believer, as a person who carries the presence of God, wherever you go into your, when you go to work tomorrow, I don't care what the atmosphere is. When you go in there, you have value to God and it is valuable that you are there to the lives around you. When you go to the store, when you go to the gas station, when you go to the community center, when you go wherever you go, okay, there is value. There is validity. God has established something in you. He has confirmed something in you. Go knowing that. It's not a haughty thing. It's not a proud thing. It actually humbles you because you know it's not you, right? I know it's not me. But it is there. There is this the presence. You carry the presence of God. So it's to recognize the value and validity of what God has done in you and what he's doing through you. Recognize it's valid. Don't let the opinions of other people make you think that your faith in God and the truths that you know, don't, don't let other opinions make you think those are invalid. I don't care how loud people shout or how much they how much they yell or how often they yell at you on Facebook, or I don't care. It's, it's don't let them invalidate what God's doing to you. Just don't let them. Just don't let them. Well, it's, this has always sounds so harsh, but you know what? Some of you care way too much about what other people say. And I'm not saying, you, you know, there's that line where we, we want to respect and value people. They're all, God loves every one of them. We've got to respect and value them. But you can't respect and value all their opinions when they disagree with what the Word of God says. And if you do, you're going to be a very confused and um, not fruitless, that's not the right word, but ineffective Christian. That's just the truth. So you've got to find that place in your heart. You've got to find that place where you're not letting the opinions of people invalidate what you know to be true. And, and, and part of that is realizing that, no, these truths are so valuable for you even if you disagree with them, even if you think they're a lie, even if you think they're stupid right now in your life, they still hold power to bring you life. I'm talking about, you know, somebody you'd be relating to in the world. And so you stay on top of that and you realize, no, you can be nice about it. You can be humble about it. You can be all of that, but you don't, you don't let that get robbed. You don't get your, what you know to be true taken out of you. Does that make sense? So this word arise means I've got weird things hanging off me here. They need to be cut off. I've learned, my wife has taught me not to just pull on those. It took a few years. That's maturity. Uh, to, this word arise means to recover from depression and become strong and established. All right, recover from depression. Don't let it keep you down. Don't let this stuff keep you down become strong and established. It means to rouse from slumber or inactivity, to be revived. And it means to have victory, to realize you walk Jesus Christ always leads us in triumph. 
That's what the scripture says. Okay, well, I don't feel like I'm triumphing. Jesus Christ always leads you in triumph, in his triumph. Just keep walking with him. There's triumph. He's already won. The battle's already won, okay? Just keep walking with him. So it tells us to arise, and then it tells us to shine. And that word shine just simply means uh, to become a source of light. To become a source of light. You know, we've been through all this the last several weeks. Let your light shine. You know, it doesn't say you have to make it shine. It just says let it shine. Let what God has done in you out. Be confident about it. Verse 2 here in Isaiah 60 says, For in fact, and here you go, For in fact, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness will cover the people. So there it is. There's where people pick up this idea. But then it says, but the Lord. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness will cover the people. But the Lord. That's a great little phrase right there. That's a really important phrase. You don't want to read over that one. But in, in contrary to darkness increasing, but the Lord, but the Lord will rise upon you. It says Jerusalem, again, I believe this is to Zion and to us. The Lord will rise upon you and his glory and brilliance will be seen in you. His glory, his brilliance, because we don't feel very glorious or very brilliant in a number of ways. <laughs> most of the time, okay? And especially when we're in conflict or we're pressing against things or whatever, we don't feel that way, but his glory and his brilliance will be seen upon you because it has risen upon you. So you, you just take that sentence, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness will cover the peoples. That's increasing darkness, but the Lord, there is supposed to be a difference between what the church is experiencing and what the world is experiencing. And again, doesn't mean we hide in a corner. We're supposed to take all that and go out there and start giving off light. Here's some things that I felt like the Lord just said to me about this. Light is most effective in darkness. Duh. Have you ever, uh, we have a garage light, you know, outside of our garage. And once in a while, we'll accidentally leave it on, especially in the winter, because we don't use it in the summer. But, you know, we'll leave it on, go to work, come home, because it was light when we went to work. So we didn't see the light. But when we come home, it's dark. Oh, left the garage light on. You can see it because it's dark. It becomes much more effective. Have you ever been to a 12 noon fireworks display? You know, if you were, I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> they don't do it at 12 noon. Why not? They do it after everybody goes to bed. I mean, it's, it's, you know, these days I never see fireworks anymore. It's like every year I'm going to go down to the park. I'm going to see the fireworks. And Karen just laughs. I mean, it's like, no, you're not. You'll be asleep an hour before they start setting those things off. And it's true. Why? Because they're brilliant. We see them when it's dark. I mean, we all know this, right? We all get this. Light is most effective in darkness. So why do we get so fearful and bummed out about the darkness? I mean, part of it is because we care about the people that are walking in darkness. And that's a good thing. That's the love of God and the compassion of Jesus Christ working in your heart. We want to reach people and bring them into light. 
But we should, we cannot develop this mentality that says darkness is bigger. Darkness, the you know, John said that that uh, darkness can't even comprehend the light, let alone extinguish it or put it out or overcome it. He 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 said it hasn't even comprehended the light, the wisdom of God, who God is. It hasn't even comprehended. It doesn't even get it. Okay, Romans chapter five verse twenty says. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Where sin increases, increasing darkness, okay? Light, grace, increases all the more. If, if you dim, if you, you know, start, just leave one light on in here, and you start taking out the rest of the lights, and you start covering up those windows, that one light just gets brighter, appears brighter and brighter and brighter. The same thing is true of you. The same thing is true of us. Same thing is true of the church. As it gets darker, the church, as long as we're staying connected to the Lord and doing our assignment, it's your, your, the life of God, because that's what that light is. John tells us, Gospel John tells us that that light was the life of man. It is the life of God imparted to man. That light will get more valid. It will get more uh, useful. It will get more apparent. Just the difference in your life. And what do I mean by that? Well, there are all kinds of things. You can have peace when there's chaos all around you. And you can release peace. Jesus told us that. You can go into somebody's house and you can let peace go. You can, you can release it from your heart into that house. You know, you can have peace. You can have joy when things stink. You can have joy. You might even be unhappy, but you can have joy, okay? You can have, you can have uh, patience with people that goes way, way, way beyond your own personal ability to do it. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can have a love that is unlike anything that is just out there in the earth. You can have a love for people that is, and, and actually you do have, the Bible says it's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You know, there are all kinds of aspects to this life. You can, you can release healing where there's been sickness. You can bring deliverance where there's been demonic oppression. You, all these different things, you know, are a part of that life, all right? And, and when it says in this verse, it says, the Lord will rise upon you, right? This is a different word for rise. It means uh, the Lord will break out or break forth upon you, will break out or break forth upon you. It refers to the, this is so cool. This is literally what that word means in the Hebrew. It refers to the increasing reputation or influence of a person. The Lord will break out upon you and his influence will be seen on you as an increasing influence of the Lord in your life, an increasing influence in you and out through you. Isn't that cool? That's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing verse right there. So as his influence arises uh, on us and in us, then his glory appears on us. And, and that word glory, again, doesn't just, it does mean to shine. It means something that is weighty and heavy. It really speaks of the effect of the presence of God. And it speaks of his his divine attributes, his core attributes, 
who the characteristics that make God God, those are his glory as they are released. When God moves in love toward people, it is, it is an aspect of his nature that is being released and seen. As God moves to heal people, it's because he is the healer. As God brings out truth, because he can't lie. There are all these core aspects of God. And that term glory speaks of those being released, being coming out from him. And in this case, it says his, his influence and his Glory is going to break forth upon you, and then it's going to be seen through you. His glory, his brilliance will be seen through you, all right? And, and just an example of this was that in the old, and this was, a, this was a picture for us, in the Old Testament temple, and before that in the tabernacle, the lights never went out. They never went out. 24 7, 365, they didn't go out. And the way that they worked is they were lamps that drew oil, which in the scripture is a picture of the Holy Spirit, a type of the Holy Spirit, oil is. And so the energy that was in that oil was brought up through that lamp and released, and it gave off light. And it did it all the time. Well, now we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the light in us never goes out. It never goes out. And, the, and these verses. Well, here, um, I don't have time for all of this. There's more great. We'll get to those. Okay, uh, let me give you a couple of other verses just along these lines. John 16, 33, okay? Jesus speaking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation, distress, and suffering, but be of good courage, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory abiding. So he says, yeah, there's all this darkness in the world. Be of good cheer. How weird. You know, it's like, okay, Jesus, explain that one to me. Because this doesn't make me happy. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. I, I love that. My conquest is accomplished. He has won that victory at the cross. My victory abiding, it lasts, it doesn't go away. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace, perfect and constant peace, the one whose mind is steadfast, whose mind is committed and focused on you in both its inclination and its character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. It says, When we set our minds on the Lord and, and the the inclination of our mind, that speaks of what do you go to first? When stuff comes against you in your life, what do you go to first? Do you go first to fear and to your, to your friends or offense or, or um, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to fix this on my own or any number of other places? Do you go there first? What's the inclination? What is your mind inclined towards? Or do you take that moment and you say, wait a minute, okay, this is, this is going on. This is a reality here in this earth, which means it's temporal. But here it is. Here's a reality here. But God, who are you in this situation? And what do you want to do in this situation? What have you said about the situation? What's the inclination? If, you, if we get the inclination 
of our minds uh, going in this direction, then we can live in perfect peace. That's his glory shining through us. Is this making sense? Is it kind of a little bit? Okay, that's close enough. I can do that. All right, so I want you to get this. Our minds, it's about our mindset. It's about what we're expecting. It's about where we're going. Because there is going to be a bunch of darkness. That's not going to quit. Okay, and there's going to be darkness on people you love. And there's going to be darkness around you. And there's going to be darkness that appears to be having a victory at times. But his conquest is accomplished. His victory is abiding. Okay, it's, we, we've got to keep our minds knowing that, hey, if it grows darker, we're just going to grow brighter. And the cool thing about it is that light bulb outside our garage, it, it didn't change during the day. It didn't go from a 60-watt bulb to a 150-watt bulb. It just stayed the same. But it got darker, and so it lights up the whole area. Okay, so I'm not saying let's believe for darkness. I'm saying realize that as darkness is out there, your light is going to be even more valuable, noticeable, uh, useful. You know, we don't, we don't need the light on in front of the garage when it's light outside. So, okay, so a couple more verses and we'll quit. I have a whole bunch more, but we'll just we'll just go through this. So it says, Isaiah chapter 6, this is verse and, verses 3 and 4. It says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes around you and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from far away and your daughters will be looked after at their side. People are drawn to light. Moths are drawn to light. They're also apparently drawn to the warm side of the building. This building was covered with little moths this morning. Anyway, that has nothing to do with light. Uh, but it's true. Um, if we're out somewhere and we build a fire, build a campfire, pretty quick everybody gathers around it. You know, pretty much everybody gathers around it. There's light there. People are drawn to light. The light that is in you, the nature of God that's in you, don't, don't let the world lie to you and say, nobody wants to know that. Nobody wants to see that. People do. People love, people, pretty much everybody, love, they love mercy. Well, that's a God thing. The world wants to claim it, but it's a God thing. They love compassion. They love generosity. They love love that's real. They even love truth if you tell it to them without using scriptures. They do, because it works. And, and, you know, so, I mean, for pretty much, people love the things of God. They just don't know it, or they, they want to kick against it. But if it's, if it's just radiating through you, then it's very real. It's a, little hard to, it's a little hard to condemn somebody for generosity. Now, they don't so much like fear and anxiety. They don't like religious legalism. Neither do we. They don't like a critical spirit. They don't like condemnation, which we're not called to do. We are called to truth, and we are called to judge between good and evil. But they don't like to be condemned. They don't like to be yelled at or treated badly. Well, neither do we. It's, it's 
I, I, I just want us to have the confidence that, you know what, if we're just exhibiting who God is, not compromising who God is, not normalizing sin, we're not going there. Because it's bad for people. It, it kills people. It's bad for people, all right? So we're not going there. Love doesn't do that. But just not compromising, but just living the truth and, and living that out from ourselves, people love those attributes that we know come from God. And it says, let's just finish this up. Verse 5, Isaiah 60, it says, then you will see and be radiant. I love that. You will see. So there's that place of, Lord, we need more revelation. We need to see you. We need to know you because we know there's this principle in the scripture that when we see him, we become like him. All right. When we have revelation of his heart, when we have revelation by the Holy Spirit of who he is, that's what transforms us. And that's a process. It isn't a one second thing, but it's a process. We, we experience his love. We become more loving. We experience his mercy. We become more merciful. We experience his generosity. We want to give to people. It just works that way. And, and this, this verse is saying, you will, this is us, you will see and be radiant. You will perceive who God is and more of him will flow out of you. And your heart will tremble with joy and rejoice because of the abundant wealth of the seas will be brought to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. So the idea your life will continue to increase. We all know wealth isn't just money. We've talked about that a lot but your life will increase, it will be prosperous, it will be big, there will be plenty to pour out to others. That's the lifestyle he has for us. And going into however long this thing goes on, people are always asking, when do you think Jesus is coming back? I don't know. He doesn't even know. Why would I know that? All I know, again, I'm not kidding. My whole end times theology can be summed up in do what I left you here to do until I get back. That's it. I'm busy enough with that. I don't need to know what all the horns and horses, and I don't need to know all that stuff. I don't know what all that stuff is. If, if I'm in the wrong line, somebody, they'll, they'll tell me, no, get in this line. It's time to be over here. The Holy Spirit will tell me that, okay? I'm not the least bit worried about whether he comes today or he comes in a thousand years because my assignment is the same. Our assignment is the same, to be a radiant, glorious church. Oh, we got to read one more verse. I'm sorry. Then we're done. Oh, it's already after 11. Ah, you guys love this. Um, you would just hate it if I got done on time some week. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to begin in verse 25 because it's good for all of us men to hear. But this is, this. you, you just got to get this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 it says, Husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with caring and selfish love. That's the radiance of God coming out of us. God's love always, and God's authority is given to serve. It's given to lift up. It's always poured out towards somebody. So love your wives, seek the highest good for her, surround her with caring and unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he, Christ, might sanctify the church. That means just set her apart unto God might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, not hiding in a corner, in glorious splendor, 
without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So that's holy living. But that she would be holy, set apart for God, and blameless. All right, that's the picture of the church. That's the picture of every one of us. That's the picture for the end times. Does this make sense to you? So if we can go out with that attitude and that idea in our hearts, then we don't have to be so, we don't have to be afraid of the future. We don't have to be depressed by what's going on. We don't have to be so bummed out when we see, and again, I know sometimes things that happen, they grieve our spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved by a lot of what's going on because he loves everybody. And he hates to see people getting involved in things and believing things that just aren't true. It, you know, it grieves his heart, and we feel that grief at times. That's different than becoming depressed and um, losing hope about the future. You know, if it gets darker, we just get brighter. Does that make sense? Let's stand up and pray. I didn't get any it made sense. Did anybody think it made sense? Okay, all right. As long as we have a couple, that's good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for who you have called us to be, who you are making us to be, what you have created the church to be. Lord, and, and we accept that assignment that you have given us in this age, Lord. You said you would build your church and that the gates of hell could not be strong to its detriment, could not hold out against it. And so, Father, wherever we go this week, in every business that we represent, in every family, we deny Satan the right to rule, to have any authority, to uh, cause problems. We deny him the right to stand to the detriment of our lives, our families, our community. This is our ground, and we will hold it, and we will stand. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we go out, Lord, just let your light shine through us. Just, Father, help us to, re to remember, to, to not get so busy that we just forget as things happen in life, Lord, that we would step back and say, Lord, remind me of who you are. Show me what you're doing, what you want me to do. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, well, we're going to be dismissed. If anybody needs prayer, I'd love to pray for you this morning. And uh, again, then uh, in a few minutes, if, if you're wanting to be water baptized or have questions about that, just come talk to me after church. Okay, so let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. And then go out there and attack the snacks and just have some good fellowship time. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.